Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I am Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll. We are back again for uh, some fun talking some Brewers news. We actually have Brewers news. The offseason has begun. I know we weren't uh, here last week. There wasn't wasn't too much going on, but we're getting busy. That is that is for sure. And now we've got the offseason that's kicked off. Free agency officially began here on Thursday afternoon. And the Brewers didn't sign a free agent, but they did make a move. More on that later. And they've made a couple of moves this past week. Four roster moves uh, in total the past couple of days. Matt, it is good to see news and transactions uh, coming across our feed once again. Yeah, that's why I was <clears throat> looking forward to the end of the World Series, not just so I could stop watching the stupid Phillies and the stupid Astros, um, but we needed Brewers news. It had been too long. Uh, <laughs> I had thrown in the writer's chat the other day that um, I saw a fact come across Twitter that the Brewers have actually won a game more recently than the Packers. Yes. So the Packers aren't worth watching. And that nope. goes to show how long it's been since we've had a Brewers game or anything that had to do with the Brewers. Now we got it. We're back. We are. And the Packers are not. No. Um, God, that is that is just such a mess over there. Um, but this is a Brewers podcast. So we have our own mess uh, to deal with after <laughs> the Brewers uh, missed the playoffs this year. And... You know, there's no shortage of things to discuss now, and you know there have been a couple of uh, surprises. Uh, the Brewers uh, zigging when everyone expects them to zag, etc. And let's start with Colton Wong. Yep. And Colton Wong saw his $10 million contract option picked up by the Brewers this week when most people expected them to decline it. Not necessarily because... Colton Wong isn't worth $10 million for next year, but because the payroll is what it is and that the Brewers face a, quote, economic reality per Mark Atanasio, and they're going to be reaching record payroll and $10 million for a second baseman in Colton Wong um, when they have a pretty much a ready-made replacement in Bryce Terang ready in AAA for a league minimum salary. Now it's like, eh, it seems like that's someone that they're probably going to decline. But no, general manager Matt Arnold says, we are going to pick it up. We are going to keep Colton Wong. Uh, he's a championship-type player, a uh, really good player. And, and he was surprised that we were surprised that he yeah. picked up the option. Thoughts, Matt? Yeah, I, that's another one that I had thrown in the writer's chat that we were laughing about a little bit is – why would you not think we would be surprised? Like we, we're Brewers fans. We're very aware of how this team has operated. In Have you seen of- how cynical we are? <laughs> right. Well, yes, the, that for one. Two, we've seen how this team has worked financially over the last forever. Um, <laughs> we know that they have to <laughs> save money where they can. And that was a logical spot to save money. You're right there. Over the <laughs> last forever. Yeah, well. Um, You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it's a, they're they're a team that needs to save money. Like, are, it, it's are they bottom payroll? No, but they're certainly not top. And they make moves to make sure that they stay within a certain range. That was a move that made sense to stay within that certain range, where you could maybe reallocate those resources elsewhere. None of us wanted Colton Wong gone, though. Uh, even though his defense 
declined last year. He actually set some career marks in a lot of offensive categories. His OPS mm-hmm. plus was his highest ever. Uh, his slugging percentage was nope, not slugging percentage. Uh, home runs. Home runs was his highest ever. Um, actually, no, I just wrote this one up the other day. Dang it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but his his OPS was close. Um, it was only behind his 2021 and 2019 seasons. So overall, he had a good offensive season. He slumped a little bit to start, but he really turned it around um, and was one of their better hitters down the stretch. Now, again, defensively, yeah, he clearly took a step back. Uh, there were times where, you know, pulling up the metrics, he was among the, you know, bottom five, bottom 10 and uh, outs above average. Uh, I, I didn't see where he ended up with that at the end of the year, but it, it couldn't have been that great considering how bad it was for most of it. Um, I, I've seen some talk about, and I think some of it came from Wong himself, about with the defensive shifts going away next year, mm-hmm. mostly, uh, will that help him feel a little bit more natural and maybe you know get back on the horse? I don't know. Um, so maybe maybe the Brewers are looking ahead to that and thinking, you know what? You can't be as bad defensively last as last year, and if you look at his last two offensive years, it makes a ton of sense to bring back. And in that sense, I get it. Yeah, yeah, and I think also with with the defensive shift going away, um, you know, at least you know with the the short right field defensive shift, uh, I think that's something where the Brewers wanted a veteran at the position with a strong reputation for defense um, to play. Uh, in, in that first year without the shift, rather than giving it to a rookie in Terang who hasn't really had that. He doesn't have the experience at the big league level um, at second base, really the experience in the minor leagues at second base. He's mostly been in shortstop, although that transition is uh, fairly smooth most of the time. So I, I think just kind of having that veteran presence um, to help the Brewers through that, that first year without the major defensive shifts, I think that was also... Uh, attractive to them in, in terms of bringing him back. And I mean, he is a veteran leader on that club. They traded away one veteran leader in Josh Hader at, at midseason, and that did not go well for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so perhaps this is uh, Matt Arnold in the front office learning their lesson a bit about parting with uh, key clubhouse leaders and veterans. I mean, Lorenzo Kane called them out on it over the last couple of years. Um, you know, the, the Josh Hader trade just kind of seemed to bring everything out into the open. Um, so I think that was something that maybe the Brewers learned. It's like, okay, we got a veteran leader that is extremely well-liked in that clubhouse. You know, letting him go because they didn't want to pay him $10 million uh, to instead go with a rookie may not have sat well in that clubhouse. I mean, the Brewers, you know, they, they may not necessarily be making it solely because of that, but I do think that that could have been a factor in their decision as well in, in deciding to keep Colton Wong, I mean, he, he's well-liked, he's got a great reputation, uh, has had some great offensive seasons, and, I mean, his, his experience at the position should help them uh, with that first year without the shift. So, I mean, it all really kind of combines into, you know, a, a decision to, to pick him up. And, you know, really, from a, from a baseball perspective, it made sense to pick up that option all along. That's a really good point that I actually hadn't seen a whole lot of in the analysis about picking up this option was the veteran leadership because yeah you're you don't have hater anymore you don't have Kane anymore 
Uh, McCutcheon was only here for a year, but he is a veteran and it was a good presence to have around the clubhouse, but he's not here anymore. Uh, outside of the guys who've basically been on the team for a while in, you know, a Woodruff or a Burns or a Yelich, you don't have a whole lot of those veteran guys, especially the ones that are, you know, externals, guys who've been around more than just the Brewers, been around the league a little bit uh, and seen things and know how to kind of, you know, keep the vibes going in the clubhouse. And so that's a that's a really good point that that could have been a huge deciding factor in doing that. And yeah, if they did recognize that as part of their decision, then good on them for actually learning from their mistakes, like we said that we hoped that they would do, and um, taking that into account. And I think with uh, going back to Bryce Terang a little bit too, it, it's it's so easy to, as a fan, to say so-and-so can just plug into this spot. And for Terang, it's even easier because he does have that second base experience uh, at, at some of the minor league levels. But you get caught up in that a lot as a fan. You get caught up in – sometimes you take it to the more extreme of the – Can he play first base? Yeah, exactly. Ryan Braun, Christian Yelich, they'll be just fine at first base. Um, you, you know, you just – it's like you're playing, you know, um, MLB The Show at home and you can put people in whatever uh, positions you want and they do just fine. Like, that's that's not necessarily how it always works. You can play first base. It's not that hard. Tell them, Wash. It's, it's incredibly hard. <laughs> <laughs> and so for Bryce Terang, you're right. Like, it, yes, even though he did play some second base in the minor leagues, it wasn't a ton. Like, um, I looked it up at one point. I'm going to pull it up here in the background. Um, as I'm talking, but um, his natural shortstop, he's mostly played shortstop. We know he's played it, the same thing happened with him and like getting this little bit of looks in the outfield. Um, mm-hmm. it, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, just call him up and he can be one of our outfielders down the stretch. It's like, no, it's like, that's not that easy. Like, it's just yeah. it's great that he now has that uh, in his background. But like, you don't just call him up to be an outfielder. And now, as I have it, uh, now that now that Garrett Mitchell and Sal Freelich and Asturi Ruiz are here, I don't think he's going to be playing much center field going forward. Right, exactly, definitely not. Like it's a it's a defensive switch emergency at most. And here, like Keston Hira in left field. Exactly, exactly. They were hard up for guys to play at that point. Um, Bryce Terang has played uh, 332 games at shortstop, 45 at second base. 14 at, in center, 8 at third, because they had that little experiment going down mm-hmm. towards the end of the season, too. So 45 games at second compared to 332. Yes, they're both middle infield spots, but they're different. Like, you, you have to be in different positions for cutoff. You have to be in different positions for uh, just defensive positioning, for um, double plays, for all these different things. You just have to have a completely different mindset. And even though Bryce Terang is an extremely gifted and smart defender, it's not as easy as you can just plug him into second base and it'll be fine. Had they gone that route, I would have been fine with it because I feel confident he would have picked it up quickly. But that's another thing that I get them wanting, like you said, a more veteran, more comfortable presence at second base, especially with the shift going away and needing to have one someone there more solid. Yeah, and that jump from AAA to the big leagues is, is huge. And, you know, there, there could be a, an adjustment period for Terang. Uh, so I understand them not wanting to fully trust him with the job going into 
uh, opening day 2023 uh, right off the bat like this without having at least seen him in the big leagues first. Now, granted, they could have called him up uh, in the month of September, um, you know, just saying. Uh, and then he could have gotten that experience and you could have seen what, what would have happened. But also it's hard to really get him in to, to play above Colton Wong while Wong is still there and you're in a pennant race. Um, and just for that situation, like, like I get it, but um, yeah, it's, it's going to be Colton Wong is, it looks like is going to be around now. Granted they could trade him if they so desire. Um, but based on what, Matt Arnold said it doesn't sound like that's something that they're really entertaining. Um, you know, that they, they love his his veteran leadership and, and what he brings to the team. Um, and they kind of want to they want to keep that around. You know, they're trying to get back into the playoffs and, and into, you know, get to the World Series this next year uh, or so they say. So, you know, keeping keeping a guy like Wong around, trusting a veteran leader like him over a rookie probably gives you a better chance to win the World Series. Yet at the same time, here we are with rumors coming out of the oh, GM geez. meetings this week in Las Vegas. And at first, you know, just a couple of random people on Twitter were saying this, and it's just like, ah, eh, you know, whatever. People are trying to, you know, just drive engagement, whatever. Drive some views, come up with some ideas, whatever. But then Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic reports that... Corbin Burns is a trade candidate this offseason that the Brewers might entertain offers and that they very well could trade staff ace and 2021 Cy Young winner Corbin Burns this offseason. While he still has two years of team control left, the team had just traded Josh Hader and dealt with massive blowback from it. And now with two years left of Burns, after they tell us they're not going into a rebuild, their focus is winning in the World Series, they are going to potentially trade 2021 Cy Young winner Corbin Burns, who has put up a sub-3 ERA in four of his five seasons at the big league level. Matt, (laughs) you and I, you, you of all people know my thoughts Uh, on this matter and how insanely stupid it would be to even entertain the idea of trading Corbin Burns this offseason. I have said this before on the podcast. If they trade Corbin Burns this offseason, I will cease to be a fan of this organization because that would be the ultimate signal of surrender. It would be the dumbest move they could possibly make. There's no one that they could get back that would improve their chances of winning in 2023 or 2024. There, there is no possible return that anyone could have that would make sense for the Brewers to do this move. And yet we're seeing it all over the place. And now we're seeing it from Adam McKelvey and a couple of other writers and, and you know, friends of the podcast. Adam McKelvey, friend of the podcast. And they're even like, well, if you can't sign him to an extension, why don't you just trade him? You know, just get something for him while you can. And this is the most defeatist attitude about the Brewers I I have seen. I mean, seriously, like we are in the middle of a contention window. And because two years from now, you might lose one of your one of your best pitchers to have ever been developed 
in this organization because he's probably going to sign somewhere else in free agency two years from now. You trade him and give up two postseason runs with the best pitcher your organization has ever seen. It makes no sense at all to do. These are the times I wish we were doing this on YouTube as well, because I wish everyone could see David's face when he gets worked up about Corbin Burns. Oh, man. Some of the, one of these days we'll we'll figure out how to do one this. of these days so where people can see our faces. Not that not that anyone wants that. But anyway, I don't want to dress up a little bit more. I might have to put pants on. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, we've we've talked about this before. There's a difference between because you this is the same mindset as Josh Hader. Josh Hader. He's been in rumors this whole time. The whole thing was the Brewers eventually won't be able to afford him. Uh, so that's why you trade him before he walks so that you can get assets back. There's a difference between those two, though. For a reliever, they are volatile. We've this is It's probably the 10th time we've said this on this podcast. We're going to say it again. Relievers are volatile. They can explode at any point. They can just become crap for the rest of their career uh, just at the snap of a finger. And Hader did for like a month. Yes, he's already he was kind of starting to show those cracks a little bit. So it makes more sense to trade away a closer when they're starting to get more expensive and get stuff in return than a starter who is much more reliable. You can expect to be there for you more so and be able to continue carrying your team year after year after year. So if you feel more certain that Burns for the next two years is going to be at or even just slightly below Cy Young level, you're right. It makes absolutely no sense to let him walk either, or to trade him away. You either extend him or if worse comes to worse, he walks in his free agent year. But at least you got two more years of highly competitive Corbin Burns teams and an attempt to make the World Series. We obviously we we all want you, especially want him to be extended. But Naturally, those yes. should be the two options. Trading should not be an option for no. unless the Brewers somehow just completely start tanking. Then okay, we're having a different conversation. But that's not the conversation we're having right now. We're having a conversation about a team in a competitive window, like you said. And it doesn't make sense for the team getting him to give up the type of players that the Brewers are going to want, which are going to be the players that allow them to compete for World Series. If you're talking about a team like the Dodgers, who like what major league ready team or players are you going to give up for Corbin Burns? Freddie Freeman? They're not going to give up Freddie yeah. Freeman for Corbin Burns. They want Freddie Freeman to try and win World Series. Yeah. You're going to give and, us Walker Bueller back? Right? No. No. That's, that's uh, are the Braves like, going to give us Max Fried and Austin Riley? No. Yeah. Are, are the Mets going to give us Pete Alonzo and Jeff McNeil? No. Like, like, like who are you going to get back? You, like, it, it's going to be a lot like the hater thing, you know, a mix of major league and minor league talent. But that major league talent is going to be inferior to what Burns brings. That minor league talent is not going to help you out this year. And think about this. Here's a nugget for you. The Brewers have won one postseason game since 2018 Corbin Burns was the starter for that game mm. game one NLDS against the Braves 2021 Corbin Burns shut out 
in that game. Brewers win 2-0 on a Rowdy Tellez home run. That's the only postseason victory the Brewers have had since they lost in game seven in the in the twenty or since they won game six. That that was their last victory. Since they won game six of the twenty eighteen NLCS when Burns was a reliever. Twenty nineteen, they lost. Twenty twenty, they lost both games. Twenty twenty one, they only won one game, started by Burns. Twenty twenty two, they missed. So you're going to trade the only guy who has won a postseason game for you, who is capable of taking you on a postseason run. If you want to get there, you need pitching. If you want to get to a World Series, you need to have strong pitching, a very strong and deep rotation. And trading away the only Cy Young winner you've had in the last 30 years would be insanely stupid. And like David Stearns and Matt Arnold talked about the, the need for improving the pitching depth. This offseason, because they dealt with so many injuries in the rotation. There was only one guy in that rotation who did not get injured. <laughs> Corbin yep. Burns. He threw 200 innings for you. He is a workhorse. He is an ace. He is a Cy Young winner. He is exactly the type of guy you need to get you to the World Series, to get you to your ultimate goal. Trading the only healthy workhorse stud that you had this past year while also claiming, oh, we need more depth in the, in the starting rotation because we've had all these injuries. Maybe trading your only healthy guy would be a stupid idea. Just saying. Yeah. Yep. It, and unfortunately, we've got a whole off season to get to listen to these rumors start to float around. So, yeah. Well, I mean, what was insane to me, too, was in that Ken Rosenthal report, you know, there was a lot of use of the word might that the Brewers yes, might believe uh, that Corbin Burns best days are behind him, mm-hmm. uh, that, that he's not going to be able to repeat his Cy Young level performance. I would love to see the data that, that would leave that would lead anyone to believe that uh, considering his performance uh, to back it up this year. Um, plus also, it's hard to repeat how damn good he was in 2021. I mean, it was insane. Like, that was one of the best pitching seasons in history. Like, that was, like, the number two pitching season behind Pedro Martinez. Like, like that is, like, legit ridiculous stuff that he put up in 2021. But a 2.94 ERA in 200 innings? When was the last time the Brewers had that before Burns in a starter? Ben Sheets? Maybe. I think even Ben then, Sheets. It would have been close. I, I don't know that he, even he pulled that off. Did he get to 200 innings ever? Yeah, that's the. He always had so many injuries. Let, let me let me try to pull up Ben Sheets' uh, stats here. I think he I think he was probably the last one. He should have won the Cy Young um, in 2004, uh, but he yeah. uh, was on a terrible team. Yeah, uh, 2004. He had a 2.7 ERA. In 34 starts, 237 innings. That was the last time um, the Brewers had a starter with 200-plus innings and a sub-three ERA. Like, it, 2004. That's a long-ass time. Like, you, you don't just trade that guy away. So, I mean, all these ideas, and, and you know, I put this in an article up on the site. You know, the, the, this whole idea that the Brewers could trade Corbin Burns, you know, that, that that would make any sort of sense. I feel like people are just trying to talk themselves into it, talk themselves into it being a good idea. It's not. You're not going to make yourself a better ball club in 2023 or 2024 by getting rid of Corbin Burns. You're just not. No matter who you get back, no matter what it is, 
your team is going to be worse off because, you, you know, even if you believe that Brandon Woodruff has more upside, that, that he could be that guy, um, he's not there yet. You know, you, you don't know with, with him. Uh, if Freddie Peralta could take a step up, you don't know with him. You don't know with Aaron Ashby. You can trust your player development all you want, but your player development has turned out an an absolute bona fide stud in Corbin Burns that has won a Cy Young. Trading him would, especially with two years to go, would be absolutely ridiculous. He's making $11 million or projected to earn $11 million next year. That is an absolute steal for the performance mm-hmm. that he gives you. If you can't afford to pay a starter $11 million for 200 innings of a sub three ERA, sell the team. You're a poverty franchise. Like, like, like don't, don't give me that, 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 that they can't afford it. It's going to be too much or, or whatever. He is, he's got every single metric that, that you would want and a guy to invest in long-term and, and a guy to keep around. And you're not going to make yourself a better ball club. If you trade Burns, you know, after they've been telling us about how, Oh, we're, we're competing for a world series. We're not going to embark on a rebuild there. And, and then they end up trading him. They are either lying to us or they've been lying to themselves uh, about the, about not going on a rebuild and actually contending for a world series because either they think they are by trading him or which is ridiculous or they're, they're lying to us and, and they were doing this the, the whole time and they know that they're on a rebuild. Like, like there is, there is no way around it. There's no way to justify trading burns this winter, especially so soon after the Josh Hader debacle, they were completely shocked at the immense blowback that they got from the Josh Hader trade shocked. They, they, they had so much blind trust built up and all of it got squandered. All of it went away. And there was just so much vitriol towards the front office afterwards that you saw a lot of people wanting Stearns to go like wanting to fire Stearns, wanting to let him walk to the Mets or whatever else. Like, you didn't see that ever before. And, I mean, Arnold was here for all that. He was a part of all of that. And if he's going to come in and six months later trade Corbin Burns, it's going to be so much worse, all, all the blowback, because now the blind trust is gone. And then you trade an even better pitcher who's even more important to the club that would not go well, man. That that would that would be the the most disastrous and stupid idea that that they could ever do. Yeah, and as you mentioned, the eleven million dollars, like they have now picked up Wong for ten million dollars. So yeah. in in a move that certainly seemed like they could have saved money there. So if they're willing to pay Wong ten million dollars, I have to imagine they are fine with the price tag on Corbin Burns, at least for now. So maybe this is all just speculation. It's, I'm sure it, it it's, it's a storyline that's easy. You know, you've mm-hmm. got a player on a mid-market team who's two years from free agency, who's getting more expensive by the year, who's very, very, very good. It makes for very easy story to write because it's happened in the past, but it's also happened with teams again, in a less competitive window than the Brewers are in. So I just, I don't think it's as likely as a lot of these national writers think that it's going to be. And like, could you justify it? Sure, I guess so. 
but it seems to make no one will buy it. No, it seems to make more sense to keep him for everything that we have already listed than to trade him away. Um, side note, I'm staring at the 2004 Cy Young voting results, and Ben Sheets got screwed that year. Absolutely. Randy Johnson honestly got screwed that year because he should have won the Cy Young over Roger Clemens um, because he led the league in so many things. And yet they gave it to Roger Clemens and by a good amount, too. Um, mm. But like the players that were ahead of Sheets, Eric Gagne, oh. Carlos Zambrano, uh, Jason Schmidt. I don't even remember who he is, to be honest. That's because Sheets was on a basement dwelling team. Exactly. Exactly. His number like he, he didn't walk anybody. He had a better ERA and whip than Roger Clemens, who won it. Uh, he had a 12-14 record. I guess there's that because some people like to look at pitcher wins. As a uh, yeah, I think 2004 pitcher wins were still a thing. Yeah, they really were. I remember the year was it when Zach Greinke? No, uh, it was uh, Felix Rick Porcello Hernandez. got 22 wins one year and won the Cy Young. Yeah, that wasn't like, too long ago. I think Felix Hernandez won it with a losing record one year and like it blew everyone's mind because all the rest of his numbers were obviously like insane and no one was even close to him, but he had a losing record and there were still people being like, "Mm, I don't know if he should win it. It's like, you know, he's clearly the best pitcher in the American league. Like just give him the goddamn award. Uh, But yeah, like this whole time I've been looking at that and like, how did she finish eighth? In the Cy Young, because, yeah, it was 2004, and the Brewers totally got screwed. Four Sorry, yeah. man. Uh, well, yeah, one, final, uh, one, one final point here on, on the Burns thing before we move on to other actual news of things that will actually happen or have actually happened. Um, I, I was talking with, uh, with Mike Keller. Him and I uh, were going back and forth on I Twitter um, the other day. You know, he was like, hey, you know, might as well you know, maybe, maybe trade him. And, you know, he, he raised the point, you know, can a small market – team afford to let a pitcher of that caliber and value walk without compensation because i'm like you got to ride this out he's like i'm not saying that to deal him now but they do almost certainly have to deal him and try to sign woodruff and it's like can they afford to let him you know let a pitcher of that caliber walk without compensation i mean my question is can they afford to let a pit let a pitcher of that caliber be traded and, and still expect to to be a world series contender I mean, it, it's something that, like, like, you expect to contend, you need to have that ace. You know, you, you need to have that guy that you can turn to. When, when it comes to game seven, who are you going to have pitch? Who, who do you want out on that mound? You know, as much as, I'd, as much as I love Brandon Woodruff, as much as I love Freddie Peralta, if given the choice between the three of them, I'd pick Burns every single time. And I think everyone else yeah, would too. I think I think Craig Council would. I think David Stearns would. I think Matt Arnold would. Everyone would would pick Burns of that group. And I mean, look at 2018. Look at who they had to start Game Seven. Yulise Chessine. Mm. Like that. That's not a a trusted Game Seven ace to go to there. He had a solid season. He had he had a career season of a three and a half ERA. You know, Yulise Chessine was not some workhorse ace. If they had the current version of Corbin Burns in 2018 to, to pitch that game seven, they would have won, I, I think, if they if they had an ace for that game. Because they had to pull Chassin after, what, two innings 
three innings, but they gave up that first run, and then they went to Hader for three innings. You know, then you got to fill it out with, with Knable and Jeffress and, and finish it off there. You could have had Burns go for five or six and then go Jeffress and, and Hader and Knable to lock it down. Like, like that's what you could have done there, and then you'd be in the World Series, and everything is is different. So losing that guy, it just you, – you as much as you think that you can't afford to, to let him walk without compensation – you can't afford to trade him either. Not not if you have any idea of actually contending for a World Series. So, yeah, I mean, look at look at this year's World Series. The Phillies were seemed unstoppable at times till they got to the World Series, and the Astros pitching staff shut them down. I mean, yeah, yeah. they got a, a no hitter in the World Series. Yeah, like. No hitter in the World Series. Yes, it's a no hitter. Everyone shut up. No yeah. hitter in the World Series. Um, Valdez, uh, I think it was, set the yep. record for most strikeouts in a World Series with 18. Uh, Verlander finally like showed. Finally get to win. Verlander in the World Series, like they, they, they once they locked in, it was their pitching that like really made it that the yeah, and they're, and they're, finally didn't have a chance. Yeah, it's you know I I'm I'm going to look this up at some point. I didn't do it before this podcast. A, a better podcast host would have been prepared for this. <laughs> but I, I'm curious how many of the last World Series winners have at least one either either current Cy Young winner or previous Cy Young winner on their roster. Mm. You know, because the Astros this year they've got um, and they got Justin Verlander, previous Cy Young winner. Uh, last year uh, the Braves. Um, I believe they have, do any of their guys have a Cy Young? Um, maybe one of the previous, no. Does Charlie Morton have a Cy Young? No, I'm not sure. Um, but like 2020 Dodgers, they got some previous Cy Youngs on there. Um, or or the guys who won it that year. Um, 2019 Nationals, they had Cy Young winners. Uh, 2018 Red Sox, they had a Cy Young winner. You know, 2017 Astros, Cy Young winner. 2016 Cubs, Cy Young winner. Like, yeah. if you want to win a World Series, pitching, it looks like you got to have a, a Cy Young winner on that staff somewhere. Either the guy who won it that year or a guy who has won it in years prior. Right. So, I don't know. Maybe I'd, I'd keep the only Cy Young winner you've had since 1982. Yeah. I mean, just it seems like a seems like a solid game plan. Seems like a good idea. All right, moving on. Brad, big bad Brad Boxberger. He is gone. (laughs) Brad Boxberger had his $3 million club option declined uh, by the club here on Thursday. And uh, that was also a little bit of a surprise to some people. Brad Boxberger did pitch well, um, had another solid season, led the team in appearances, and, you know, he he's overall, I mean, he's had some pretty, pretty big moments some pretty good moments, uh, can pitch in high leverage situations, uh, can get himself into and out of jams, um, pretty level heartbeat. You know, he's he's a guy that isn't phased by the moment, isn't isn't phased by stressful situations with runners on or things like that. Uh, but the Brewers decided to decline his options. They put him through waivers first. No one claimed him, uh, making making them feel that no one was 
willing to pay Boxberger $3 million for next year. So they felt comfortable declining, uh, making him a free agent and potentially, Matt, potentially bringing him back on a lower salary than $3 million uh, for next season. Yeah, I think there's a really good chance uh, that they end up doing that. They've done it with other players in the past. Um, uh, I think Jace Peterson, I want to say they've kind of done that with a here and there. He's kind of been on a series of one-year deals, and they figure, like, well, yeah, might as well just re-sign him for cheap. Um, Brett Boxberger, he obviously, um, he's been a good setup guy for the team the last couple of years. He had to step into kind of even more of that role last year once Hader left and then everyone kind of shifted forward an inning. I know, you know, we saw him struggle a little bit, you know, actually right around that time, a little bit before it, but then he turned things back around. Um, and he's had solid numbers, very solid numbers. He's led the team in appearances. So obviously council has been extremely confident giving the ball to Boxberger for two seasons now, but it, that's another one where, yeah, I, I get rolling the dice and saying, you know what, three million. No one's paying him three million, obviously, since they didn't, you know, claim him off waivers. So let him go, bring him back for two, one and a half, something like that. I don't know. That's all assuming that he doesn't decide to sign with someone else because the Brewers didn't pick up his option. Although you would think he understands the business side and that stuff like that could always happen. Um, at the same time, I went through the post that the Brewers had uh, about declining his option. There were a whole lot of people on there, like just trashing the Brewers for that decision. For for Brad Boxberger, like I like the guy. Don't get me wrong; I think he's done fantastic. I've been a defender of him when he has struggled, you know, for a little bit and pointed the stats and been like, "Look, this is a guy, you know." who's doing great for us this year, just let him ride it out. But it's also um, 34-year-old Brad Boxberger. Like, this is not the most serious thing in the world that they declined his option. Like, the Brewers have relievers. There's going to be a ton of them out on the market. Like, if Brad Boxberger, if they're not able to get him back cheap, if he decides to go somewhere else, like, I think they'll be fine, guys. Like, they'll be able to find someone to replace him. Like I, I really do think like Jake cousins back healthy will end up being another one of those high leverage guys. Um, stress lucky really came on late. Like the more I looked into his numbers, the the even better I felt about him going into next year, Justin Topa is healthy again. Um, you've got guys, you know, young guys like Cam Robinson. I think Abner Uribe will end up, uh, pitching for the Brewers at some point next year. It just depends on when, um, like they've got guys in the system. There's guys they'll be able to sign. If Brad Boxer, Boxberger doesn't come back, it's not the end of the world. It would be nice. And I hope he does on a lower contract, but I'm not going to lose sleep over it if he doesn't guys. Yeah. I mean, also I think with Boxberger, I mean, his, his average fastball velocity did decline, uh, this year in 2021, it was 93 and a half miles per hour. This year it was 92.8. Uh, so nearly a full mile an hour has fallen off his fastball. Uh, you could cut, you could tell towards the end he was getting a little bit fatigued uh, towards the end of the year. I mean these are, I mean these past two seasons are essentially the the most innings he's he's thrown uh, in his career. Tied a career high with 64 and two thirds last year. Uh, had 64 innings flat this year. So 
he's someone that, um, you know, he's been a workhorse lately, but I mean, he's entering his age 35 season. Um, and I mean, that's, as we said before about how relievers are volatile, um, you know, th- this could be something where Boxberger is kind of on the verge of, of losing it. Um, we may have seen it a little bit there towards the end of the season. Um, and it's like, all right, let's just kind of, you know, get ourselves out now. I mean, obviously, you know, $3 million, no one else was going to be willing to pay that either. Um, if they still believe in him, they might bring him back for cheap, but also, yeah, I, I agree with you. It wouldn't be the end of the world if you left his strikeout rate also dipped, uh, his walk rate increased. So, you know, some of the peripheral stuff, um, you know, I'm, I'm not entirely surprised that, uh, they made the decision to, to let him go and, you know, just kind of see, see where the market goes and, and try to fill, fill in with, uh, some other options on the market, such as <laughs> Tyson Miller. Segway. Segway to Tyson Miller claimed off waivers from the Texas Rangers. He has a grand total of six games of Major League Baseball experience. And, uh, Matt, his numbers aren't, uh, aren't great uh, at the big league level. Um, you know, there, there's clearly something that the Brewers like here. Uh, he's someone that could start and uh, come out of the bullpen, uh, maybe be a swingman type guy. Uh, J.C. Mejia was somewhat similar when they picked him up last year. He has starters experience, also could be a bullpen guy. Given the strength of the Brewers' rotation, I don't expect Tyson Miller to be starting much um, for Milwaukee, but uh, he has been claimed off waivers, uh, yeah, 10 and two-thirds innings uh, this past year with an ERA of 10.97. Yikes. A career (laughs) ERA of 9.19. He had five innings with the Cubs in 2020 of 5.4 ERA ball. So, you know, there's there's some stuff that the Brewers like underneath here. This is not an established guy, um, but someone who is going to be 27 um, this next year. And yeah, that's uh, that, that's who they got to pick up. They, they, they when they announced this, they announced that they claimed Miller and then just buried underneath. Oh, yeah, by the way, we declined uh, Brad Boxberger's option. I found that very interesting and very funny. Yeah, I did too, especially when normally they do those types of uh, uh, social media posts on Twitter. Like, they always put a picture of everyone mentioned there. Like, they couldn't have just thrown up a picture of Brad Boxberger? No? No. So, I don't know. That was weird. Um, But, yeah, just did a little bit of digging. Tyson Miller, so he was a fourth-round pick by the Cubs. In 2016, he was on their top 30 list uh, for MLB Pipeline in 2019 and 2020. So a top 30 prospect of the Cubs then, which didn't say a whole lot about the Cubs then because they had already uh, tanked their system. They didn't have much. System. Yeah, exactly, to win their World Series in 2016. Um, but uh, the nice thing about that is it means it has an MLB Pipeline scouting report. And so I pulled up his one from 2020. Um, most Mostly grades out average, 50-grade fastball changeup, uh, and control, 55-grade slider. Um, looking into their little write-up about that, um, he so he was a uh, Division II pitcher, 
Um, so not built like a big school guy or anything like that. Led the Carolina League in strikeouts, batting average against, and whip in 2018. So that was good. Um, he used to have two-seamer that he's mostly gotten rid of. Mostly throws a four-seamer that tops out around 95, um, but plays better than its speed. Uh, has a little bit of cut to his four-seamer, uh, especially when he throws it high in the zone. So that's good. Um, he mixes it mostly with that slider and that's kind of, so fastball slider, that's where it seems like he would do well out of the bullpen. When those are your two go-tos, fastball slider, classic reliever combo. Um, yeah. he is starting to get feel for a changeup, but, uh, doesn't have a lot of control on it and left hitters, left-handers also, uh, hit the crap out of it. So, mm. um, to me, yeah, it seems like relief for him um but he does have the endurance to start so yeah he could be that kind of swingman guy especially if you get to a point where let's say you trade a adrian hauser or you know an eric lauer if it really came to it and aaron ashby ends up going into your rotation full time at that point aaron ashby was your swingman um so you may need a player like i think ashby's going in full-time regardless yeah I, i i think he is too um but depending on what happens, you know, you may not have that sixth man, quote unquote, in a, let's say, Adrian Hauser were the guy who gets moved to the bullpen or something mm-hmm. like that for Aaron Ashby. Um, if you don't have him because of a trade or if you don't have Eric Bauer because of a trade or something happens uh, to that starting rotation where you don't have that, quote unquote, sixth man anymore. It's possible Tyson Miller could be a sixth man type guy. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, tons Not gonna of- lie, I'd like better than Tyson Miller to be my six-man option. I would like just, better than just, Tyson just Miller. Just being honest here. Yes, um, but also they saw things they like in him, and we've got a good pitching development. So maybe they uh, put him in the lab. You throw him in the lab, and maybe they, you know, just retool him a little bit, and he comes out. Uh, uh, better than ever, but he is not arbitration eligible until 2026 at this point because he has such limited service time. So um, I didn't see how many minor league options he has left at this point. Yet. Uh, he still has options, uh, yeah. I believe. Um, I would imagine. He's got one option left. That was what I was going to guess. Unless yep. that Chicago, unless that first stint was a September call up, but uh, oh, still uh, has an option left. Yeah. So we shall see. Yeah. Uh, for him. So, so you could, have one year out of him where he flips back and forth between the big leagues and the minors, possibly. So and see what he does. See, see what he turns into. But uh, it's one of, if yeah. He, if they, he turns into anything at all. Right. They the Brewers make those small waiver claim moves all the time. Like this is just something. Yeah. It's another one. Who of those, knows? He might even be DFA'd before we even get to spring training. <laughs> that is entirely possible. Yeah. So. We shall see. Uh, the Brewers have some more moves to make, and they have made one. They have started off with a bang. Matt Arnold has made his first trade as the Brewers head of baseball operations. Uh, He has traded for one of his old players. Peyton Henry is back in the Brewers organization. Peyton Henry. They traded him in 2021 for John Curtis. John Curtis pitched in six games for the Brewers. He gave up runs in all six, and then his elbow blew out, and he needed Tommy John surgery. That was not a good trade. Um... Of course, Henry hasn't really done super well for the Marlins either. He did make his big league debut there. 
Uh, he's seen time in parts of the last two seasons. He has a grand total of 20 games of big league experience and 43 at-bats with a 186 batting average. Um, so, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a bit of a rough go for Henry at the big league level. But he was Rule 5 eligible that next winter, so it made sense to kind of trade him. He was, he was blocked in Milwaukee. But now we've got some catcher turnover. Pedro Severino, Omar Narvaez are free agents. Uh, the Brewers, you know, they made non-tender uh, Victor Caratini. We got Mario Feliciano, of course, in line for a big league role next year. Yeah. Um, but could we get the the prospect duo? The, the guys that we once thought were the future duo in Milwaukee, Feliciano and Henry, could we actually get those guys once again as the future catching duo in Milwaukee. Yeah, that's what it certainly seemed like at one point uh, back in 2019. They're kind of working their way up uh, through the system together. Uh, they were both, they were the catching tandem at Carolina. Uh, that was the year that Feliciano won Carolina League MVP. Uh, but Henry, it was always thought that uh, Feliciano was the offensive one and Henry was the defensive one and that they were kind of working their way up together. And who knows, they might both reach the major leagues together at some point and now they both reached the major leagues and they're both on the same team again. Um, so that would be kind of cool. Uh, I don't know if that's, what's going to happen. Uh, we, we haven't even gotten into, we'll be talking about that over the coming weeks about, you know, non-tender decisions, but Caratini, I think becomes a strong one at this point, especially if you think, you know, either you can go with a buck 99 or, there might be guys out on the market, yeah, to go get um, as, in terms of an upgrade. I did like Caratini. I, I actually, uh, I, I still kind of sit in, I think it ends up being Caratini uh, Feliciano next year uh, as the tandem. And I think that would be fine. I think Caratini defensively is a guy you like to have around. He's a switch hitter, so you like to have him around, which means he can form a platoon with anyone. Um, so I think I think you can make arguments both ways for whether to keep him or whether to non-tender. Um, but again, like that's something we'll talk about more in depth. But cool to have Peyton Henry back. Um, really, really smart defender at catcher. So if that's something the Brewers value and want to have as part of their catching group in the major leagues, like they did with Manny Pena for so long, that's a guy that makes sense to kind of bring back here. Yeah, plus he knows the pitching staff. He, yes. he knows a lot of those guys pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when they were coming up through the system, he knows those young pitchers. He's caught them. Uh, he knows their stuff. So that's something that I think was also attractive to them. Um, and, you know, really, it, it makes me think, you know, about that first trade uh, that the Brewers made involving uh, Peyton Henry. You know, maybe, you know, now that Matt Arnold's the guy in charge, you know, maybe when when Stearns was running the show, Arnold was like, mm, I don't like the idea of trading Peyton Henry here. I, I'd like to keep him around. And Stearns is like, well, too bad. I'm in charge and I'm saying we trade him. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, maybe not that rude, but still, uh, you know, Stearns made the decisions and, and he made the decision to trade Peyton Henry. And now that Arnold is is calling the shots, he's like, I want Peyton Henry back. So. Um, you know, Arnold clearly does like Peyton Henry. Um, you know, he's been in the Brewer system since 2016 when he was drafted, same year as Feliciano. Uh, he, Henry was a sixth rounder. Feliciano was a competitive balance round B selection. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that, that's something that, you know, I, I think I also find kind of intriguing, you know, uh, Arnold just kind of 
putting his own stamp on things, being like, um, no, trading away Peyton Henry was a bad idea. I want him back. Um, I find that intriguing. I hope this isn't all that they do at catcher. I, I hope that it's not. You know, like, like I know you need depth there. Uh, losing Narvaez and Severino, you kind of need to fit, you know, backfill there on the 40-man roster. Um, but I'd like to see, like, Peyton Henry's not really an upgrade. Um, you know, Victor Caratini, he did solid in the first half, but he really struggled in that second half. Um, I could see them bringing him back. I, I also really wouldn't mind a non-tender and then going after somebody else. I mean, there, there are going to be a couple of catchers on the trade market uh, the, this offseason. The, the Blue Jays have Blue a couple Jays. of guys that, that they could trade. Uh, Danny Jansen is one of those catchers, and Danny Jansen is a Wisconsin native uh, from the Appleton area, I believe. So that could be an option. Uh, the Oakland A's might trade Sean Murphy. They have an abundance of catchers. Uh, Sean Murphy's a really good player. So I would like to see them actually go and get a, a, a bigger upgrade, um, you know, move on from Caratini and then have that guy, uh, whoever it is, Jansen or Alejandro. Alejandro Kirk looks like a brewer. He, yeah, does. he does. You look at the body type. He belongs in Brewer's uniform. Put him and Rowdy Telez together, back together again, and you're going to have the greatest uh, greatest pictures ever. Um, so I, I could see them going that route. Um, I, I'd like to see some sort of an upgrade there over Caratini and then have Feliciano be the number two guy behind them, uh, learning and getting his opportunities at the big league level. That's what I'd like to see. I, I hope it's more than just Peyton Henry. I'm, I'm glad to see Peyton Henry back, but... I'd like to see a little bit more from that catcher spot for the, for the Brewers. Yeah, I could, I mean, I could also see if they decide that, you know what, the Alex Jackson thing was fun, but we're going to go ahead and move on from that. If that's the case, then you've only got three catchers on your roster. You could keep all three of them and still acquire another guy. And then as much as it would pain me to say, you've got Henry and Feliciano down at AAA as your guy, as your very capable um, guys waiting in the wings and then Caratini as your backup, and then whoever else you end up going to get. I think that's an, an entirely possible situation uh, as well. Um, Caratini, I can't remember what he was projected for arbitration. Was he like 2.8? How much? 2.8 million. Okay, so even less than I thought. So I don't even think that's so expensive that you couldn't still get another catcher to go along with him. There's, but he there's hits a buck different... 99, man. Yeah, I know. I know. But you know what? Uh, the Astros made it with Maldonado as their leading catcher. So yeah, and they still went out and got Christian Vasquez. Well, yeah, no, I prefer that. And Christian Vasquez is now a free agent. Your backup. Yeah. If 199 is your backup, then you can live with that. Yeah. That's awesome. But I'd like to see an upgrade at catcher. That's just what I'd like to see. Um, So, We'll see what happens. Um, Matt Arnold is clearly uh, ready and willing to to make moves. Uh, one of them just better not be Corbin Burns, unless Damn. it's a contract extension. Then you have my full permission to do that. There you go. Same. Uh, it, you, you can do that immediately. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that's you know we're starting off with some activity here early on. I mean coming up over the next few days. I mean you're going to see uh, non-tender decisions. You're going to see Rule Five protections. Uh, those dates are coming up actually fairly quick here. Um, so the deadline to add players to the 40-man roster uh, to protect them is the 15th. 
Ooh, so that's coming up. That's Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, coming up here. So that's when they have to add guys. Bryce Terang is going to be added. Uh, my guess is you're going to see Cam Robinson and Abner Uribe added as well. There could be a couple of other guys uh, that, that they bring on that, that are uh, contenders for a spot. The Brewers do have six open 40-man spots right now. I believe I, I believe the roster is at 34. Um, and then on the 18th, uh, so next Friday, is the non-tender deadline uh, when the Brewers have to make those decisions. Uh, so you know, when we record our podcast next week, uh, that's something that we're going to have to be talking about. Maybe we tender not do that a day early, just just to kind of, uh, you know, give ourselves a, a little bit of time of it being, uh, you know, relevant uh, before the Brewers actually make their decisions. Yeah. Um, so those are the those are the deadlines coming up. Those are coming up fast. We, we only got a couple more days until the until they got to add guys to protect them from the rule five. And before we get the non-tender deadline, that's coming up in a, in a week. So uh, it's uh, it's it's starting to move a little a little bit quicker uh, here in this offseason. Typically, free agency begins and, and the offseason begins, and, and it's usually a dud uh, for a couple of weeks. But we've had the GM meetings this week. We've seen some trades, most of them minor, um, but we, we've seen some deals already and, and things things starting to move. So you know it it's starting this offseason off. Right, I think, and I think it's good for baseball to kind of see these moves happening earlier on. Yeah, um, it'll, it'll be interesting. I didn't realize the uh, 40-man deadline was coming up so fast. Yeah, uh, I feel like they moved it up this year. Like, like typically, it's, it's a week later. Um, I, yeah, but, that's, that's yeah. what I thought. I thought all this stuff was closer to uh, Thanksgiving, to be honest, but... It hey, usually is. Fine. Okay, so I'm not crazy to think that. No, you're not crazy. Not crazy. Okay. It, it usually well, is. But, yeah, they, they've moved it up. Uh, looks like I think it's kind of dealing with the weekends or whatever else. Um, so they, they got all that coming up. And, you know, the Brewers, they might be active hmm. per Mark Atanasio. Yeah, he, that, that was another thing with, with his fan Q&A uh, with, with Brian Anderson Mark and Ozzy being like, eh, we might be active this winter uh, one way or another. Uh, you know, I feel like we might be doing some things. The hell does that mean? The hell does it mean we might be active? Like, like you know, if, if you're going to be active, just say it. Just say yeah. we're going to be active this winter. When you say we might be active, it makes me think, do you guys know what you're going to be doing? Like, like is, is there a plan? You don't have to tell us the entire plan because I know they're not going to. Can you at least kind of show us that there is a plan? Oh, I mean, it was the same thing as the, it's not a payroll crunch, but an economic reality. It's not a constraint, it's an economic reality. Yeah, like, that's the same thing. It's the same thing. Your leg isn't broken, it's fractured. (laughs) Yeah. It's not inflation, the prices of everything are just going up. It's it's good to know that uh, with David Stern's gone, we still have a couple guys that uh, can speak without saying anything at all. Yes, that is that is the epitome of of what Atanasio was was trying to say there. It seemed like it's very frustrating, uh, and it did very little to to quell the concerns that, that a lot of people have. So uh, it's it's going to be an interesting off season, uh, that is for sure, and it's. Just getting started. Colton Wong option picked up. Brad Boxberger option declined. Tyson Miller claimed off waivers and a trade already made. Peyton Henry coming back from the Marlins. Oh, we didn't even talk about who we sent for him. 
yeah. In exchange for Henry, the Brewers sent Remington Batista. If you don't know who he is, I don't blame you. When I saw the name, I knew who he was because I am a prospect nerd and I just seemingly know everybody. Uh, but Remington Batista is a 17-year-old uh, that the Brewers signed out of the Dominican Republic this past January. Uh, so he's only been in the organization for about a year. Uh, he played in the Dominican Summer League this year, had a 252 batting average, uh, four doubles, three homers, or no, four doubles, three triples, one homer, and 18 stolen bases and 159 at-bats. So a lot of stolen bases. He's a speedster, uh, which is which is good to see. Uh, but he ends up going. Uh, he actually had the ninth most stolen bases in the Brewers organization uh, this season among all minor league players. Um, so there you go. I mean, he's a he's a guy that that can that can steal bases, but also uh, 681 OPS. So. Uh, he ends up going. He's a long ways away from the majors. He was not a top 30 prospect. He was not a top 50 prospect for me. So, you know, we'll we'll check in with him five years down the road. You know, yeah. see if he turns into anything. But I'm not holding my breath for it. No. Uh, yeah, he was one. I paid quite a bit of attention to the minor leagues, and I had to ask who 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 who's who's yeah. this guy? Yeah. So. Yeah. And we I, have plenty of outfielders. I'm I'm not too concerned about the depth at that at that position. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so long. So long, Remington Batista. Wish you well uh, with the Marlins organization. So, all right. Well, that will do it for this week's episode of the Cold Brew Podcast. Next week, we're going to be back again. I mean, we've got the tender deadline coming up. Uh, we'll have to talk the, the decisions that they made to add players to the, to the 40-man roster. Um, plenty of stuff happening in the world of baseball. Now that we are fully into the offseason, everything is a full go Free agency is open. Why they haven't signed Aaron Judge yet, I have no idea. Uh, it's we'll we'll see how it goes. We we will. It's going to be fun. Um, and they might be active. They might not. We'll see. We'll take you there every step of the way, talking about every move that they make or don't make, and why trading Corbin Burns is still the stupidest idea I have ever heard. And I will end it on that. All right. Thank you for listening. This has been the Colbert Podcast. We'll see you next time.